0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Educational Podcasting Today, episode number 39. Today, we're talking to podcaster and Canadian Tim Cavey, all about his great show, Teachers on Fire, and we're looking forward to a great conversation. We are, of course, here as the podcast that features educators doing some amazing things with their podcasts. If you're an educational podcaster, We would love to feature you on the show. There's, of course, several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of this and all of our shows. You can find us on Twitter at Podcasting Today. That's Podcasting Today. And, of course, you can find us on voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail and email us over at Feedback at TeacherCast.net. We would love to hear from you guys and love to feature the great things that you're doing on your podcast And podcasting with your students and you know we've been talking about this the last couple weeks i want to say thank you to everybody who's checked out our brand new channel podcastingwithstudents.com we've been getting some great reviews over that a lot of great hits over on the website if you guys are looking to bring podcasting into your classroom today check out podcastingwithstudents.com Now I want to bring on my guest. He is the entrepreneur and the founder behind the Teachers on Fire podcast. Uh, Him and I met over the summertime. We we he he was fortunate. It was wonderful enough to have me on his (laughs) podcast. I I said that the right way, I think. I want to bring on my good friend, Mr. Tim KV. Tim, how are you today? I am good, Jeff. What a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you so much for your time today. It is so awesome to have you here because. You and I have a lot of stuff in common, but I think the most thing that we have in common is spreading the good word about podcasts and what educators can do with their podcasts.
1: Absolutely. That's that's a huge
0: passion. Tell us a little bit about your show, Teachers on Fire. What What, what made you start a podcast, first of all? Yeah, so it was an interesting
1: journey. I I sort of look back to the beginning of 2018. And, you know, I was at the time I was doing a long commute back and forth between home and school. And I was working in an area close to Vancouver and then commuting out to a suburb further away. So I had a lot of time to listen to podcasts. And Some of those podcasts, Jeff, were education related, and some of them were entrepreneurial. And some of those entrepreneurial podcasts, you know, there's some tremendous congruence between the two, because in education, we are all about trying to get our students and our learners to create content, right? And that is what a lot of really exciting entrepreneurs are doing as well right now. So I started to really fall in love with this idea of, you know, anyone can create content. Anyone can get out there and start their own podcast. And through a chain of events, uh, I sort of, I guess, just got inspired to make it happen. And so over spring break, I hopped on a platform called Anchor. And one thing led to another. And it was a rough start, but things got rolling. And here we are
0: today. You know, I love that story, and I want to kind of learn a little bit more about this. We just did a show last week um, on how to create a podcast on Anchor. I had a chance to check this out recently. It seems like a pretty neat yet easy to use platform.
1: You know, it was a rough start, Jeff, because Anchor, you know, sells itself as a platform, a sort of a one-stop shop, shall we say, a place where you can do it all, and frankly that's not what i would recommend to educators out there looking to start a podcast. So what i mean by that is anchor offers you the opportunity to connect via phone with other people, okay, that have the same app. And so my very first episode and i have to i have to say i'm a huge anchor fan, okay? So i'll preface my story with that, but my very first episode i connected with a guest and we connected over the app, and the app crashed repeatedly. And so, uh, like a twenty five minute conversation ended up taking an hour. And I was desperate. I was trying data versus Wi-Fi, changing locations. Nothing was really working well. And so it was really, really painful. and the the audio quality, frankly, was not even that great. So, yes, I am a huge anchor fan, continue to be, but, for now, I really use it just to sort of launch and distribute my content. So I, I record elsewhere and then anchors my distribution hub.
0: So let's kind of get into that, right? So y- you just said that you record elsewhere. Talk to us a little bit about your process. How do you do your recording and uh, and what is that process like?
1: Yeah, so I was, like I said, I was using Anchor. I found some cheap, free laptop-to-laptop connection platform, and I can't even remember the name of it. And that was working okay. And then I interviewed Chris Nessie, who I think you know, another big podcaster. And he, at the time, was using a platform called Zencaster. And so ever since that interview, I've stuck with Zencaster. And you know, we're using a different platform right now, which sounds really good. And who knows, maybe I'll switch to this one because you are the podcasting boss man as well. But I've stuck with Zencaster and that's the way to date that I've been connecting with guests laptop to laptop. And yeah, that's that's how it's been happening. And then I, I move all of that audio over to Adobe Audition, clean it up, do some editing, probably more editing than I should do, Jeff. And then I put the finished product on Anchor.
0: So how long does it take, would you say, from, you know, beginning to end, I would say? How long does it take to to get a good half an hour program out?
1: Well, I was dreading this question, but the honest answer is about three hours on the audio. (laughs) I, I figured that would be your reaction. so. You know, I'm probably in some ways overthinking it, or, or maybe doing too much to clean up you knows and ums and Oz and and speed up lapses and intervals and some of those weird places where guests and hosts talk over each other at the same time. Well, but that's I, I, really.
0: But <laughs> I, I I think this is a good topic to kind of run into totally. here, and and I do mean run into with this, right how do you know too much is too much, right? Because even, again, going back to some of the interviews we've had with our previous guests, you know, when you're starting off with a podcast, you wanted to look, sound, be professional. Exactly. And so you are sitting there for time after time, three hours, my goodness, um, to to take out all of those ums and ahs and and, and And, you know, so many people spend that time doing that? What advice do you have for, for new podcasters who are sitting there going, all right, I gotta take out every little, Um, uh, 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 give me some <laughs> advice here. Cause there's a lot of new podcasters listening to this show.
1: Well, honestly, Jeff, I mean, I take my advice from you and I've, I've thought back often to the advice that you gave me when we had our conversation and I know your, you know, I can't quote you, but I know your big message or one of your big messages is really focus on efficiency, right? Like do the recording and then get that thing out there and don't sort of dwell on it. And and as I said, overthink it because we can waste a lot of time and in the end, you know, that listener is maybe just wanting to hear a good conversation. and, And if you think about it in terms of what we listen to all the time on the phone, you know, that, that product isn't quote unquote professional, right? So I, I'm somewhat, I, I would say I'm evolving on that spectrum and I just edited an episode that I'll push out later today that took two hours. So, you know, I, I'm making, I'm making some, <laughs> you're shaking your head, but I'm,
0: I'm improving. I'm growing in that area. And so we talked a little bit about your, uh, your recording here. Talk to us a little bit about your equipment. I see you're sitting in front of a really nice, uh, nice microphone there.
1: I've got, and I'm going to surf on over to my website where I sort of list my equipment just to give you the model number or the the name. But I went over to my local music shop and bought a Rode NT-USB. And it goes on versatile, studio quality, USB, cardioid, condenser, microphone. There you have it. So
0: There's there's lots of big words there, Tim. Lots of big
1: words. But the point is I wanted a high-end plug-and-play mic. I've got a Windows Surface Pro, and that's the laptop slash tablet that I use to do all my recording. So I just wanted something simple, plug and play. I didn't want any extra parts, and so that's what I'm using.
0: And, and I got to say, you sound fantastic. Everything that I've ever heard from you comes in crystal clear. And awesome. obviously having this system where you are editing out through Adobe Audition is working out for you because your shows sound really, really cool. Now, I know one of the reasons why your shows are coming out crystal clear and why you're driven to do this is because you got, uh, you got a few podcasting mentors, I know, that... Uh, that you kind of follow and stuff. Talk to me a little bit about who you listen to and who you look up to in the podcasting world.
1: Absolutely. Well, in the entrepreneurial space, I mentioned a few guys there people like John Lee Dumas, Pat Flynn and Gary V have been huge motivations and inspirations. I have to give a special shout out there to John Lee Dumas. Now you might roll your eyes at this one, but he's got a podcast called entrepreneurs on fire. And Jeff, I'm telling you, I looked high and low when I was thinking about launching my own show. I looked at every sort of hybrid and derivation of teachers and education, and I just kept coming back to Teachers on Fire because all of that internet real estate was available on Twitter, on Instagram, and other spots. The the one thing that wasn't available was the dot-com, but you know what? I I will try to get that at some point. (laughs) <laughs>
0: well, I gotta ask, being being teachercast.net, right. what's your plan to get the com?
1: Well, I checked it out today because I thought it, you know, we might be chatting about this, and and I have a lot to learn from you when it comes to domains and SEO. I would love to get that com. And you know, I I think it's being held by a domain company right now. I don't think it's actually being used. So, you know, there is Probably a way forward there. I'm a little worried about what the price tag might be, and I'm even worried about you know how if I if I exchange funds with some domain holder, how do I actually you know how does that transfer happen? So uh, the answer is legally. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's a process you can walk me through there. At oh, some I'd point, be
0: I, I'd be happy to. And look, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of messing with Tim right now, but if there's anybody out there that's interested in talking about domains, I I'm just gonna say trust me I know um you know when when we first started teacher cast I purchased the .org the .net info moby you name it I purchased it um only because the .com was taken um and right now it's on sale for a pretty heavy penny I don't know if you've ever looked up Tim how much teachersonfire.com is actually worth but uh it's uh it's 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 up there
1: oh no well that's not what I wanted to hear but you know at the end of the day you And I'm encouraged, Jeff, that you're still at, at da, pardon me, at .net. That wasn't coming out right. And I am too. And I think at the end of the day, if we're consistent with our branding and with our message, people will figure that out. And as long as our, you know, you talk about the SEO, as long as we're ranking fairly high when people type in what they do know, whether it's TeacherCast or Teachers on Fire, Hopefully, we're one of those first results. Ideally, result number one, and, and the rest takes care of itself. So, and if, if I can, if I can go back, Jeff, and just give you a few more podcasts that I, I follow and admire. There, there's definitely yours and your network. I'm still amazed at the number of podcasts you're pushing out there. And I also think of people like Don Wetrick, John Sowash, Chris Nessie, I mentioned him, John Harper, Joshua Stamper. These are just some other awesome people who I listen to myself and, and and they collectively inspire me.
0: I gotta say you are you are a lucky guy because the price of teachersonfire.com is not available. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean that it's a high price or a low price. I'm just saying they they like when you look up teachercast.com, you are sitting there faced with this this domain will cost me thirty two hundred dollars to purchase. It's some ridiculous oh. number out there and all well, I can say is without my wife hearing this, it'll happen eventually.
1: Yeah. Well, Jeff, can I ask you about that? Because here's, here's something I've wondered about. As you let's let's take we're, your We're still your,
0: recording, your, but keep going.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, this is authentic conversation, right? It certainly. As, is. So as you keep building your platform and your network of services, your value, as it were you know, continues to rise in theory, right? And so is there is there a way in which that domain holder, and I have no idea who holds teachercast.com, are they sort of eyeing your ranking in Google and your success and saying, okay, the price is going to increase with Jeff's traffic?
0: I got to tell you, when I first did TeacherCast, it was July 11th, 2011. The .com was available for $1,800. right. And so now it's on sale for $3,200 or something like that. Right. Um, I must be doing something good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> take it as a compliment.
0: I, I, I take that as a compliment. And and they, I know the person renews it on a year-by-year basis okay. um, because I have it on a domain watch. So that way every year it comes up and uh. says, this domain is available. And I pay like 60 or 70 bucks a year just to have somebody keep an eye on that for me. So I'm spending an awful lot of money just to kind of try to protect myself. And again, I would recommend anybody learn about this stuff. And you can always reach out to me at teacher cast or at podcasting today. Um, the, these, are important topics. Um, and they I'm are. glad that you said what you did, which is, you know, before settling on the name, you looked across the spectrum Right? right. And you said, is the Twitter, the Facebook, the all, all these things, is that available before I go and I launch a show with it? Because, I, you know, we all know people who have tried going into this and realized, oh, well, the, the Twitter isn't available. I'm going to be, you know, teachers dot hyphen forward slash on forward hyphen slash dot fire dot com. Look, if people if you have to explain how to spell your brand You shouldn't have that as your brand. I I just can't say that enough.
1: I totally agree. And, you know, we talked a little bit off air about something that I did recently that I I think is safe to do only because it is a student based podcast, Jeff. And it doesn't really matter in terms of the results or the, the Google searches doesn't matter too much, but I was looking for a catchy or a clever name to name my eighth grade podcast. And a friend recommended the great expectations podcast, great spelled G R (laughs) eight. And I knew, I, I knew going in that, you know, this is going to be a problem for SEO, but I decided, heck, you know, this is just for fun. And this is just a way to make my students learning visible. And so we've launched it and it's going fine. And you know, probably the only downloads are parents and that's totally cool.
0: That's, that's totally a, fine.
1: And, that's the intention, right? But, and,
0: and for any student podcast, you know, even for, you know, educators who are just looking to have a hobby or something like that, you know, right. if, if SEO of if traction isn't your, and you just, you know, you're making the, uh, my family loves to go camping podcast. And here's five ways that I like to go camping. Great. Right. That, mm-hmm. That's all wonderful stuff. But if you're out there, you know, there's only really. Let's be honest here. There's only one platform that you need when you're creating your website and that's WordPress. There's only one plugin that you need when you're creating your website and that's Yoast. And there's only one thing that you need to worry about. And that's the three letters TLD. Tim, what does TLD stand for?
1: Sorry, man. You got me there.
0: Top, (laughs) top level domain, right? You you Uh, need to have something that people are going to put in. Um, and so let me ask you this. We're totally going in a tangent here, but this is all important stuff. Um, you have two Twitter ha- handles, right? You have right. Mr. KV and you have at Teachers on Fire. And I asked you for your homepage and I love that you're Teachers on Fire All that stuff is great. But right. do you also own timkv.com dot com or some version of your name?
1: I do. Well, I owned, uh, there's still the dot wordpress.com. And I think at one point I paid to remove that, but I've just let it lapse back to the, the WordPress default mm-hmm. just because that's not really where I'm putting my main focus right now. But yeah, I, I think to the Tim cavey. So that sort of answers that question. Going back to what you mentioned about the Twitter, you know, people ask me about that. And I think that my reason for grabbing the teachers on fire Twitter handle is simply because my activity and most of my activity is there. So every time I exchange and contribute with other educators, that in itself is a quiet form of advertising, right? So if I'm going around Twitter as Tim Cavey only, then that's not really drawing any attention to the podcast. But as I engage in the form of teachers on fire, you know, that is another way that people find out about the podcast. And so some people ask me why even have a Mr. KV Twitter. And my answer there is some of that activity might be related to local, you know, local things in my own school or local conferences, you know, regional references that really don't fit within the teachers on fire brand and what I'm all about there. So that's why I go with two and, not everyone's going to choose that path, but it makes sense to me.
0: If you want for a dollar 99, we can do Tim dot world. I'm just throwing this out here. <laughs> tempting,
1: tempting. And
0: just as I said that somebody has already taken it. Who's listening to this podcast. That's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, uh, this whole concept. Now we have our recording. Now we have our audience. What right. do we do? Once we find that audience, you are, very, very good at not only creating your audience, but cultivating it, right? I know you've got your podcast, it's on multiple platforms, but you recently also got, you know, a, a Voxer group together of other educational podcasters. Talk to us a little bit about cultivating an audience, not only of, of listeners, but of your peers.
1: Well, I, I think the Voxer group was simply a, a way to reach out and sort of compare notes and, you know, enlist the help of people like you and, and others that I really admire and respect and actually listen to their content. And I've listened to and appreciated a number of shows that you're putting out on this one specifically for Edu podcasters. So, you know, there's there's that whole side to it. But in terms of cultivating the larger audience, my avatar, my, my target listener is that teacher and often that administrator, but people who are passionate about education, who are interested in new ideas in education. And I don't have, honestly, Jeff, I don't have the mechanization that your last or one of your last guests, Dan Krynas, has. That was very impressive, <laughs> to say the least. And I, I don't have it all figured out, but I do try to push out content every Sunday and repurpose it across every platform that I can, and and do it in a way that's native and fits each platform.
0: And and what what's your advice on that one? If anybody has any questions,
1: so much advice one of the one of the places that i'm interested in right now is linkedin linkedin seems to be growing and everything i read about it says that that's a good place to pay some attention it's been really quiet it's been kind of a ghost town for a long time but people are you know the landscape is changing a little bit and so you know we could talk about facebook and which direction facebook is headed facebook is still i think incredibly relevant but that platform is changing as well so I would say check out LinkedIn. If you're not posting anything there, that's actually a really good place to share content from your show.
0: And And I make your your LinkedIn profile look like a LinkedIn profile. Like do some, do some homework on what a LinkedIn profile looks like, because it's not your Twitter profile.
1: Right, right. And, And the way that you communicate there is completely different as well. So Yeah, and of course Twitter has its place. I've really built a lot of my content around Twitter, but Twitter can be annoying sometimes. I mean, Twitter can feel really spammy to me at at times as well. So, (laughs) I I I try to do as much as I can on, like I said, on Sundays. Try to put it, make it available on every platform, and then move on with my week because we all have different activities, different things we're involved in. We have families; we can't pay attention to to every platform every day, but in an ideal world, I would love to, you know, keep repurposing it and offer little snippets from every episode on every platform every day. That would be amazing, but can't do it all.
0: Now, you had mentioned the episode we did uh, two shows, I believe, ago with, with uh, Dan Krinas. Um We were talking there all about ways to animate stuff. Are, are you right. finding ways to keep things a little bit easier on your time or are you just by hand pushing it all out?
1: I'm by hand pushing it all out. I have to say I'm interested in the automation, but, you know, when I come across content and I I think most of us are the same there, when you come across content that feels automated or lifeless or pushed out by a bot or, or some other mechanism, sometimes that can be a turnoff. And so I try to think of those teachers that are those educators, my avatar that is looking for genuine, authentic interaction and so for that reason, I've been reluctant to, to mechanize it. But on the other hand, I, you know, a lot of hours do go into, like I said, pushing out content that is tailored to every platform. Just as a quick example, to put together a good Instagram post takes a little chunk of time because you have to track down the, the people that you intend to tag. You have to figure out the, the relevant hashtags. The length of the post is completely different than, let's say, Twitter. And, you know, to make matters worse, a lot of people have different handles between Twitter and Instagram. So you've really got to do your homework to make a good native post for every platform. But I think it's worth it. I, I,
0: and. You know, one of my go-tos as far as doing these different handles and things, I, I I'm a big Canva fan. You know, the fact that you can make a graphic, stick it into Canva, and they have the I, I forget what it's called, resizer or re, whatever it is. Right. But the magic the, resize. The magic resize, exactly. That you can just hit that button and and relatively speaking, it does a does at least a good job at resizing things and making it where it could be.
1: One tool like that, and I love Canva, I do use Canva for my YouTube covers and for my logo that you see everywhere. So just about anything graphic comes from Canva for sure. So definitely recommend Canva. I'm also really excited about a platform called Headliner, which is completely free. And Headliner allows you to publish those, those video clips of your audio that that sort of automate the, the audio at the bottom. I'm not describing that very well, but basically it, it produces those levels, those audio levels, so that it, it just animates it just a little bit. And it also offers the feature of, you know, transcribing your text as well. So there are lots of good opportunities there. And then on another cloud-based platform, WeVideo, something that I need to take more advantage of is that WeVideo allows you to produce content that is square as well, which works better on Instagram or, you know, some of the other platforms. So yeah, there are lots of sort of variations of repurposed content available. And I would really recommend, like you said, Canva and headliner are a couple of great ones.
0: There's also another tool out there. uh, Hanny does that. I believe it's uh, repurpose.io, which essentially takes a audio file and then it automatically puts it out onto YouTube, Facebook and everything. And it does the graphics for you. And it looks really neat. I, I that's I haven't tried that myself, but I've, I've uh, talked to Hanny a bunch of times at Podcast Movement and stuff and would love to get him on the show sometime because that is just a really great little tool for podcasters. Um, when we're looking at things like publishing, you know, everybody wants to get on Apple Podcasts. Everybody wants to get on, you know, Google Podcasts. You know, Anchor is, of course, a, a fantastic platform that was just purchased by Spotify, I believe. Yeah, it
1: was. Yeah.
0: Um what's your thoughts on all of this stuff do you you know and and we've talked about this like i I do different titles for my audio files than i do for my blog posts um do you have any tips and tricks that you follow as far as you know making sure that the right people see your content and because you know as you said earlier each of these pieces of content has a different style audience whether it be twitter linkedin um podcasts blog posts what's your what's your publishing philosophy
1: That is a great question. And Jeff, I actually want to flip that question back to you because I am, (laughs) I would love some tips, but you know, to date, I have really stuck with episode number and the name of my guest, and then a really brief summary of what they are all about. And something that separates me from a lot of podcasts is I usually don't talk about our topics of conversation in the title And I don't know if that's good or bad, but I really put the focus of my show more on the guest and what they're all about. And so we go through things like, you know, their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, professional goals, productivity hacks, and the voices and influences that are shaping their practice. So it tends to be a fairly similar outline. And for that reason, I focus more on the individual than the topic. But I, I think you're right. It really, you really have to pay attention again to which platform you're on. Just a, a really quick example of that is I think it's LinkedIn where if you're posting in the feed and you want your, you want your viewers to be able to click on your website, you need to get that link in, I think the first two or three lines of the post because LinkedIn will sort of cut it off after that. And and there's like three dots or or continue or something like that. So I want to hopefully bring visitors and fans of the show over to teachersonfire.net. And for that reason, when I'm on LinkedIn, I really need to make that link apparent almost right away. But on Facebook, it, it shows up a little bit differently. And then a little bit differently on, of course on Instagram, you can't post URLs right in the post. You have to, direct your visitors to check out your link in bio. So yeah, that all of that sort of requires a lot of mindfulness and you have to be aware of the platform again.
0: I, I totally agree with that. You know, we always say here, I've got four, maybe five titles for each one of my blog posts slash podcasts that we do. And it's all because it's different audiences. And it's mostly because of uh, things like character count. Um, Even the show that I did earlier today, I had a great looking title for it. But then I looked at it on the website and it was, you know, what the last word of the title was on the second line. And I just looked at that and I said, okay, visually, that doesn't work. Or SEO wise, I'm going to take the last word and put it towards, you know. So in other words, I might not say teachers on fire in my interview with Tim Cavey. I might I may change that around to say Tim Cavey, host of the of the teachers on fire podcast, you know, that way you're, you're getting the right words in the right order. So
1: exactly. But
0: knowing on Apple podcasts, you only have an, I I don't know the number 22 characters that you can see. I might not put your name and show title at the end um, because no one's going to see it. They're going to see, listen to my interview with dot, 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 dot. You got to just know your platforms. You know, we we talk about this a lot in the Voxer group, but you know, you got to just know your platforms and how they work.
1: Totally. And and just on that note, Jeff, you know, I'm looking at right now at all of the platforms that my podcast is distributed to. And I'll just share with you a frustration that the way that I set up the episode description in Anchor often shows up differently on other platforms. So, mm-hmm. How so? where I have, yeah, where I have line breaks in Anchor, it may sort of ignore those on CastBox or Overcast or Podbean, right? So that that element is tough to control and i don't know how other edu podcasters deal with that but i try to manage sort of what is within my control and even that sometimes doesn't work out perfectly but i try to manage the anchor side of it and hopefully you know the the big mother load of listeners comes from apple podcasts and so hopefully it's showing up correctly there as well and then after that as long as it's legible that's that's my main concern but
0: And, and I completely agree with that. I mean, there's a lot of podcaster apps out there, um, that you don't control over. You know, I can think of a dozen right now that you, you, you know, people say, how do I get onto this platform? And I'm like, you don't, it just pulls your Apple podcast feed. You really don't even have to have a relationship with the company. You just make content and it automatically pulls. And, you know, you could go crazy making sure that every single thing is good. Um, I I don't know Tim you know should we be worrying about all of this stuff or should we be worrying about just creating great content
1: I think creating great content has to be our top priority and the reality is as a you know I always go back to my own behavior as a listener it's not often that I look at show notes that that's just the stating the facts. so most of my listening happens in the car I'm not doing much scrolling on my phone while I'm driving hopefully I shouldn't be <laughs> so if something is really incredible there are different ways to document that you know if I hear some me if I hear about an amazing ed tech tool for example well I can rewind later I can make a mental note I can just google it at, you know at my next opportunity or I can check the show notes and yes sometimes I do but I I think it is possible to maybe overthink the show notes or worry too much about them. I mean, I would like to hear your take. What do you think? I, I,
0: I'm i of the, you know, I, I, I'm I of the belief of just keep making great content. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not looking to be the number one podcaster on everything. I'm looking to be the, you know, when you think of podcasting, here are the people that are in this category. Or if you want to learn how to, you know, I, I, I'm I looking at the long game much more always than the short game with my show. Um, so yeah, you got to know your SEO. Yeah, you got to know your websites. Yeah, you got to know all those different things. Um, but at the end of the game, I, I'm my thought is always, how can I help out my end user, no mm. matter who that is? And it doesn't matter if you're a teacher or a not teacher or anything like that. I always try to create great content that everybody can use because that's going to make them come back to your website or your show the next day.
1: Couldn't have said it better, Jeff.
0: So wrapping up here, I'd like to offer you an opportunity that I don't get a chance to offer everybody here, but I know you listen to the Dan crying show and you, it would be a, a shame if I didn't put you through the ringer, the way that I did with Dan, Tim, would you be interested in taking what we call here in the States, the Jersey five? Let's do it, Jeff. Have you heard Dan crying answers here? I don't want to give anything away. I did. All right. Well, here we are. We're going to do five questions here. This isn't fair enough because you know what's coming here. But we're going to do five questions that we only want to have your honest answers for. Question number one, your favorite Twitter account or hashtag to follow?
1: I'll give you two Twitter accounts, Joshua double underscore stamper and at Jeff Gargas, A couple of good guys that I know you are familiar with. And then a Twitter hashtag growth mindset.
0: And why those people and why that hashtag?
1: Start with the hashtag and just say that Mindset by Carol Dweck was, I would say, a life-changing book and for me. And if you're not familiar with Growth Mindset, I think most of your audience probably is. But I'll, I'll just give you this sort of grain of wisdom that I took from it, and that is put yourself in uncomfortable situations and i took that as inspiration added inspiration yet another factor just to start this whole podcasting thing because i didn't know what the heck i was doing but but i took that as a sign that i'm growing right that i'm stretching that it's leading me into some good places and so that book mindset really fueled i would say a huge change in my life just in the last 2 years in terms of the podcast in terms of blogging and everything else that I've got my hands in right now. The, the two guys that I mentioned, I would say are are just really good guys who are putting together some awesome content in this education podcast
0: space. We got to nudge them to get on this show too, by the
1: way. Absolutely. I want to hear them on here.
0: All right. The number two thing, your favorite educational tool to use and why?
1: So, I'm in a new school this year and a tool that I was kind of slow to accept, but now I'm fully on board with is a tool called Seesaw and Seesaw is yet another, I don't know if we would call it an LMS, but it is an interface that allows teachers to document and curate evidence of learning from their students. And that can be written. It can be audio photo video. What it means is that teachers are going through their classes every day with their phones documenting learning. And it is so awesome. It's so exciting. It increases parent engagement. It makes the learning visible. It expands the audience. And I'll tell you what, like students love it. They love seeing their own learning online and they see their parents' comments. They see their teachers' comments. They can push it out to the the class blog. And it's a really awesome platform.
0: Best advice you've ever been given as a podcaster?
1: Here's one from the fizzle show that was create at least 100 episodes or posts of a podcast, of a blog, of a YouTube channel, whatever it is you're doing. Don't declare the final verdict on whether it's a successful endeavor until you've made those 100 episodes. And so that is what I am all about right now. I'm at episode, I think 59. And so I am pushing to 100 before I decide if, if this, Endeavor, it was a success or a failure.
0: I gotta tell you, it, it looks like it's a success so far. <laughs> and again, just uh you know, if you haven't checked out Teachers on Fire, go over to teachersonfire.com and of course, check them out over on Twitter at Teachers on Fire. Number oh, let's see, question number four here. Uh, what do you hope your listeners remember about you at the end of your shows?
1: Well, I'm just the host, and I really want to put the focus on the guests, but I hope they get the impression that they understand that I am passionate about education, about educators, and most importantly, the learners.
0: Uh, We'll do a 4A. Uh, I know you live up in the great country of Canada. You're up on the West Coast. What is the coldest it's ever been at your house? Well,
1: I'm not the best. uh, So I live close to Vancouver and it's actually fairly moderate here. So right now it's right around, you know, 30 degrees Fahrenheit and, and that, that feels pretty chilly, but you know, I grew up in the prairies north of North Dakota and I know right there, I've got some family there right now. And right now the, the temperatures are way, way south of that. And so we would say in Celsius, we would say minus 33. I can't give you a good conversion, but I, I, I know that's cold. (laughs)
0: All right. I'm not going to do the conversion right now. Question number five, what is the best teachable moment you've ever had? So, so many, Jeff,
1: and I've got some great stories, but from podcasting on my third episode, I used a cheap laptop to laptop interface. I mentioned it earlier and it was incumbent. Is that the right word on the guest to hit the record button? And so we went through the entire conversation and at the end of it, they had not hit record. And so we just chatted for an entire 30 minutes recording only my voice. So that taught me a serious lesson and that is make sure I'm controlling, (laughs) I'm controlling the recording mechanism, whatever that looks like, whatever platform I'm on. And then in the classroom, I mentioned my my recent foray into student podcasting, and that has been a huge learning experience for me. And so just sort of watching their reactions and watching how seriously they take it or some of them not as seriously as they should be, but sort of learning through this experience has been really awesome as well.
0: You know, one day we are going to have to have you back on to talk about your student podcast. And if anybody out there has a podcast they're doing with their students, we would love to hear from you guys. We, of course, would love to feature you on this show. We're doing a lot with our podcasts. And if you're looking to learn how to do podcasting, you can, of course, check out podcastingwithstudents.com for all the information that you need to bring podcasting into your classroom. Um on that same topic, Tim, do you have a a, 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 a a software application? Are you using Anchor for your students' podcasts, or are you doing something a little bit different?
1: So how I'm doing that is, and I know we're out of time here, Jeff, but how I'm doing that is the students just upload their audio. So basically they they spend 40 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes reading. They go through a Google Doc, which sort of helps them complete a reflection, and then they go to a quiet space somewhere in the school to record their own voices, just using an onboard mic, or there's even a website, I can't give you the exact URL, but there's a website for Chromebooks that allows them to record in the cloud. And then they just upload that file directly to Classroom. And Google Classroom, of course, creates a Google Drive folder automatically. And so I just, at the end of the day, I just pull all the audio files from that folder straight into Anchor and there it goes.
0: That is a pretty interesting way of doing things. I, I, I can see a guest blog post in the making here, Tim there. I put you on the spot. I would love to do it. <laughs> and of course, if you're looking for more information, check out educational podcasting.today for all of that stuff, but it's not about me, Tim, where do we go to learn more about the great things that you're doing?
1: Well, let's keep it simple. Teachersonfire.net and on Twitter at teachers on fire and Jeff. Thank you so, so much for just for this opportunity to be here and share my message. And thank you for your encouragement along the way. Some of it with a few jabs here and there, but I really appreciate you, man.
0: And of course we would love to say thank you for Tim for being on the show. Thank you for having us on the show last summer. It was a, fun time and you know tim invited me into his little voxer group to have some great times and meet a lot of great podcasters and that is why this podcast exists we would love to meet you guys if you're out there creating a podcast and would love to share your story please find us on twitter at podcasting today email us over at feedback at teachercast.net Or, you know what, if you have any questions about how to do anything with your show, leave us a voice message over at teachercast.net slash voicemail. We would love to hear from you guys. And we want to, of course, say one last time, thank you so much for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. On behalf of everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.